Uh, Want to mention one thing to you. I got a couple of pictures. This is from uh, the bon- the youth, the student bonfire two Wednesday nights ago. Annual event. We have a bonfire for our students in the fall. Uh, we had 100 students at the bonfire on Wednesday night. Um, incredible. They had an awesome time. I uh, got, I think, another picture. Yeah. Yeah, 100 students came uh, two Wednesday nights ago. Now, I mentioned that because we've been talking about the kids' renovation that's happening on the other side of those walls. And uh, one of the uh, exciting things about finishing that renovation is we're going to be able to repurpose the kids' worship room because we had 100 students two Wednesday nights ago, and we have 60, 70, 80, 90 students on Wednesday nights, depending on what Wednesday night it is. So we're trying to create some space for our students. So when you think of this renovation that we're doing, it's not just a renovation that's going to benefit the children's ministry. It's going to benefit our student ministry. It's going to allow us to reuse some of the children's rooms right now for small group rooms and uh, places to have our journey information luncheon, Uh, places to have uh, small parties and get-togethers all over our campus. So all across our age span, uh, we are going to benefit from the renovation that is taking place. And certainly our students are because they've never had their own place in our building. Uh, They just take over all the other places whenever they want to. Uh, but they're going to have their own designated place, place where they can invite their friends to come and meet Ian and meet other uh, student leaders back there. Uh, so incredibly exciting time. Our Christmas offering, uh, we have started as we're moving towards the end of the year. Uh, all of our Christmas offering is going to help us uh, be able to pay cash for the renovation on the other side of that building. So as God leads you uh, to give above your regular offering as we head to the end of the year, we would encourage you to give towards our our uh, our 2023 Christmas offering to benefit the renovation that is taking place. It's going to be incredible. We're going to have more pictures to show you from inside the renovation. A lot is happening right now. Framing started. uh, The dividing wall between that space and the warehouse is now up. There's drywall on the outside of that wall. So a lot of changes are happening very, very fast uh, over in that new area. Just a quick word, just want to say uh, on this uh, Veterans Weekend, just how grateful we are for our veterans. Thank you for your service uh, to our country. All right, we're, we're in the series called Back to the Start, and uh, up to this point, we've been talking about items, issues, principles in our faith that when we begin to question, we should go back to. Let's remind ourselves what we believe about these areas. I want to change perspective just a little bit for the last two weeks of this series, and I want to come at this question from the perspective of what are a couple of things that help us stay on the right path when we get into that questioning time, right? We all said there are times we get confused, we get disoriented, we have questions that we don't have good answers to, and there are some beliefs we can go back to, but there are also a couple of things, we're just going to cover two of them, there are a couple of things that will help us stay in the right place, it will, it will help us stay connected to our 
faith. It will be that, that little boost that we need when we face difficult times, when we walk through uh, difficult circumstances. We are all in some ways in our, in our spiritual journey like kids at an amusement park. You ever taking kids to uh, Six Flags, Disney, especially smaller kids? There is a moment... Uh, late afternoon, sometimes earlier, depending on the kid and the parent, but typically by late afternoon, early evening, there is a moment when they are done. They are done. They don't care how much you paid for the ticket. They don't care how much the food cost. They are done. Their whole body shuts down. They crumple into the middle of the walkway sometimes, sprawled out, there are noises that accompany this movement. They are violent. You think the child is being beaten. They're done. Their legs won't work anymore. And so they just plop down in the middle of the walkway and make a scene, and you're the parent standing there while this is happening. Some of you saw I posted uh, on our last trip to Disney that my superpower is not making eye contact with parents who have a child melting down. Like, I am really good at this. I see it as just a, a sign of solidarity. Like, I got you. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you maintain some level of dignity in this chaos by not looking at you and acknowledging that I see it. Now, everybody sees it. You can't not see what is happening. You can't not hear the emotional meltdown that is happening right in front of you. But if you're like me, you just kind of reserve some dignity for that parent by not making eye contact and not commenting until you get a little bit farther away. And then you comment a lot about that. You know, especially when you're at our place and, and you're empty nesters and like that was a long time ago, then you can laugh about that and say, oh yeah, yeah, hate it for them. Glad it's not us anymore. But... You know, at that point, the magic's gone with the kid. Like, the, it is gone. Whatever good feeling they had, absolutely gone. So you as a, as a parent or a, a friend uh, of the parents, or maybe you took a niece or a nephew, you've had this experience with them. So what has to happen then is they have to be carted out of the amusement park at that point, or at least to wherever you're going, maybe to some air conditioning. You have to pick them up. Usually limbs are like in various angles at that point. You have to pick them up, or you have to put them in a stroller, or you have to put them in a wagon, or an Uber. You ever thought about that? <laughs> ever thought about that? Huh? Uh, yes, Mr. Uber, can you take them to my house? I do not want to be in the same vehicle with them. Just a suggestion from a parent veteran. Just a suggestion. Yes, yeah, somehow you have to come alongside of them. You have to pick them up. You have to get them to wherever, wherever else you are going because they, they can't do it anymore. Now, questioning our faith is not an emotional meltdown. That's not the analogy I'm drawing. Discouragements in our faith are, are not a temper tantrum. But sometimes we get to that place and we're, we're discouraged in our faith, we're, we're questioning things, we're confused. And, and what we need is, is we need some, some people who will come and kind of get us back on our feet. Like, hey, you know what, I'll keep walking with you. 
Yeah, this is kind of a mess right now. You're in a bad spot, but, but I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to carry you if I need to. I'm going to come around you and begin to encourage you. I'm not leaving you here. I'm not walking away from you. I'm going to be committed to you until you get to a better place, right? until you kind of regather yourself. And until you realize, yes, I, I do believe I needed a moment and I needed some people who wouldn't let me go in that moment, but they would stay with me and walk with me and encourage me and remind me what I really believe. That, that, that's the difficult thing for a lot of us, right? It's not that we don't believe. We just need to remember what we do believe. And sometimes we need people who remind us what we already believe when we've forgotten. When we're pushing back, when we're pushing away from that. One of the most significant places, maybe the most significant place to find that people, to, to find a group that will come around you and say, okay, we're not going to just stay here. We're going to keep moving is the church. Like this, this is part of what the church is for, is that you run into a crisis, I run into a crisis, I want to sit in the middle of the walkway and have a meltdown. And there are people who step in and say, come on, let me, let me walk with you. I'm still here with you. I, I still believe in you. I'm, I still want to encourage you. I still want to walk with you. I want to be with you. Having those people can be the difference between tapping out spiritually, walking away from our faith... And regathering ourselves and finding a deeper, stronger faith. Hebrews chapter 10. The writer of Hebrews says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching in, in verse 23 he encourages us and i hear it as an encouragement to the individual let us let each of us hold unswervingly to our faith he's just pointed out that jesus is our high priest like that's the reason we can hold on to our hope because jesus is who he says that he is so let us individually Hold tightly to our faith, similar to what we read from Jude a few weeks ago, where Jude encouraged us, encouraged us to contend for the faith. Sometimes continuing to believe, continuing forward in our faith is, is a little bit of a battle. We've got to hold tight. I have to decide I'm not going to let go of this. I don't understand everything. I don't have all the answers I want. I'm, I'm confused. I'm a little disoriented, but I'm not letting go. It was that, that those times when we just have to hold on. We have to hold unswervingly to the hope that we have and that we have had. And, and, and this, this direction from the author seems to be an individual direction. You hold unswervingly to your faith. The, the, the author of Hebrews is writing to an audience that is experiencing this. They've come out of Judaism and they've become believers. 
or they've at least heard the message of Jesus. They've, they've, they've started toward the entrance of their spiritual journey. They've, they've become interested in the faith, in Christianity, and for whatever reason, some of them, before they went in, turned back to their old life. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, don't, don't walk away. Come on, don't walk away. Fight for, hold on to that faith that you have, even if it's just a little bit, even if you have questions, even if you aren't sure, even if life is really hard, hold unswervingly to the hope. But then he goes on, and the next thing he says is, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Yes, there is a an individual responsibility that you're going to have to fight for your faith sometimes. You're going to have to hold on tight sometimes. I'm going to have to hold on tight. At the same time, let's help each other do that too. Let's, ha- let's figure out how, when you're in a bad place, I can offer encouragement to you. I can spur you on. I can encourage you toward loving good deeds, living out your faith, walking out your faith. When I'm in a bad moment, when I'm questioning a lot of things, how you can speak into my life. You can encourage my life. And then he says one way to do that is just be together. Be together on a regular basis. Meet together. Don't give up in your times of spiritual questioning and walk away on your own. Don't leave the group. Don't don't leave the church that God has put you in. Don't leave the people who have come around you in the good times when you're having a bad time. These are the people who, who have been with you. Stay there. Don't walk away. There is a danger. I want to offer this warning. There is a danger in an overly individualized faith. There's a danger in an overly individualized faith. We we come to faith in some ways as individuals. You're responsible for for your decision to follow Christ. I'm responsible for whether I'm following Christ. There is some individual responsibility. But if we're not careful, especially at the time that we live in, the culture that we live in that, that prizes individuality so much, for some people, they adopt a mentality of, well, I'll be a Christian on my own. I can figure out faith on my own. I'll grow on my own. And certainly as you mature... You read the Bible for yourself. You, you, you grow in, in ways that are specific to you. There is individual growth. But when that individual growth becomes, I don't need anybody else to grow. I don't, I don't need a group to grow. I don't need a church to grow. I don't need other people to grow. Then you're missing out on what God intends for you. When the emphasis becomes, I'll figure it all out on my own. I'll believe on my own. I'll grow on my own. Then you're missing what God intends for your spiritual life because that sort of individualized faith is not found in the New Testament. It's not found in the New Testament. I mean, there are individuals who come to faith in the New Testament. But all throughout the New Testament, we learn how when someone became a believer, they joined with other believers. 
They studied the word of God with other believers. They served God with other believers. They were encouraged by other believers. There was a a shared, there was a corporate faith in addition to my individual faith. This is what we find in the New Testament. And, and, And actually, this is what we find in the Old Testament. We find in the Old Testament, God establishing a people. That's the grand story of the Old Testament. God established a people, a nation, millions of people at at some points in its history. Twelve tribes of people, and we read stories of individuals, but they were individuals who were connected to the nation that God established. They were connected to the people that God established. In the New Testament, when you read the letters of Paul, Paul writes his letters to churches, groups of people, or to church leaders telling them how to lead their churches. The faith that we find in both the Old and the New Testament is not just an individualized faith. It is very much a corporate faith. And I get it. Churches aren't perfect. Churches aren't perfect. Churches sometimes harm and hurt and make bad decisions. And many of us have testimonies, have histories, have stories about those very things happening. There are churches and there are church leaders that aren't great. There are some that are harmful and are hurtful. Churches have made bad decisions in the past. They have not represented Christ well in the past. You could look around today and you could find plenty of imperfect churches. But here's the reality. The church has always been imperfect. It has always been imperfect. It didn't just start with us. It didn't just start with your last church or the churches, church three churches ago that you left It didn't just start today. The church has always been imperfect. Read the New Testament. When Paul writes his letters, he is primarily writing to churches because they're having problems. He is primarily sorting out mistakes that the churches are making in the New Testament in the first century. Um, John comes along, he writes the book of the Revelation. He writes letters to seven churches. Jesus is speaking to seven churches. And to those seven churches, he, almost all of them, he has some correction to give. They're doing something wrong. Some of them are doing a lot wrong. Sometimes I hear people say, we just need to be a church like the first century church. And I think, have you read about them? Like they were crazy. And they, they, they made mistakes too. They were imperfect. They, they did the wrong thing at times. I am not making excuses for bad decisions or narcissistic leaders or churches that do harm on a, on a consistent basis. I am not making excuses for that. That needs to be handled. That needs to be challenged. If, if you ask me about some church, there are probably some churches I'd say, you probably shouldn't go to that one. Right? And there are probably some people who say that about us. Like, Sermons Church, like, don't go to that one. The whole, it's a mess over there. 
we have all kinds of opinions about other churches in other places. What I can tell you is there's always been imperfect churches. Churches have always had to course correct. Right? Churches have always had to look at themselves. The best of churches have had to look at themselves and consistently realign themselves with what God wants for them. This is not an excuse for hurt or abuse or harm or narcissism or abusive leaders. This is not an excuse for any of that, but this is the honest truth that there have always been imperfect churches, and yet the scriptures teach us like, we gotta we gotta do this together. We can't just do this by ourselves. We need each other, and we will make mistakes along the way, and we'll have to apologize along the way, and we will have to course correct along the way because we will think we're doing right, and we'll realize we weren't doing right in that situation. We need to realign. We need to course correct. All of that's going to happen no matter what church you go to, but we need each other. Like the church is, the church is that place. Speaking of your, you know, like your faith, your spiritual journey, and running into difficulties, the church is that place where at least every seven days you're coming back and you're reaffirming what you believe with people who are reaffirming what they believe. Like every seven days, some more depending on how involved you are in the church, but at least every seven days we have an opportunity to come back together and remind ourselves this week was hard, I have a lot of questions, I'm discouraged about some things, I'm disappointed in some spiritual leaders somewhere, but this is a group of people that I love and they believe as I believe and we're walking spiritually in the same direction it is in the coming together that we get reminded and encouraged to keep walking the life of faith i showed you the picture of uh the the youth bonfire uh, at the beginning and uh, they may be able to throw yeah they may be able to throw that back uh up there I, every year uh, i'm amazed at just how hot this fire gets like arm hair singeing burn your eyebrows off hot it burns for a couple of hours and they have just put all of this wood on there and the temperature just keeps going up and up and up and up ian had a brilliant idea this year and i'm glad he thought about it because they make s'mores at this event and usually when you're making s'mores at this event you're doing it kind of like this so you don't burn anything and so ian got some uh, smaller fire pits that he put around with smaller fires that they can make s'mores in which is great because middle school boys and that are not a good combination <laughs> yeah why why does it get so hot why does it get so hot why does it why is it so bright it's so hot and bright because we put all of this wood together we piled it all together we could we could take that the same amount of wood this would be kind of crazy to do but we could take that same amount of wood and we could drop a piece like every 50 feet all around their campus and one by one we could go set each piece on fire we would have the exact same amount of wood burning and not nearly as much heat. Wouldn't be nearly as bright. It wouldn't last nearly as long. The, all of those individual pieces would burn out a lot faster than that 
burns out. True confession, my anxiety every year is when I go home at night wondering if it's actually out, right? Because right, you, you, build, you build a fire that big and that hot, like there's stuff way down deep that's still burning. You hose it down, there's stuff way down on the bottom that flares right back up. We did have that one year, by the way. We've taken care of it. It won't, it won't happen again. But the, like there's stuff down. Why? Because we put all of this in one place. And we set a fire in that one place place and all of that wood contrary to it being spread out around the campus all of that wood's feeding off the fuel of the other wood it's all combining its fuel together whereas if you spread it out that heat gets dissipated right there's a little over there there's a little over there it's not it's not contributing to the other and so not going to burn as hot it's not going to burn as long it's not going to be as bright it's in the bringing together. It's in the bringing together that the fire gets hot and the light gets bright and it's effective. I mean, you stand over one wood on fire and try to roast your marshmallow before it goes out. Not very effective. And it's in the, it's in the putting together. It's in the sharing of the fuel, the oxygen. It's in the encouraging the fire from one piece to the other piece that it roars, that it becomes hot. What the, what the world needs is, yes, for us to live out our faith as we go about our business, but not just a little fire over there and a little fire over there and a little fire over there. What our community needs is believers who come together and burn together for the kingdom of God. That the light is so bright because you bring your faith and I bring my faith and we consistently put them together and we're hotter and we're better and we're brighter because we're sharing our lives together. That, that's what the church is supposed to be. Not just little sparks here and there, but a fire that burns together. Here's the truth. Who we are in Christ together is so much greater than what we can be alone. Who we are in Christ together is so much greater than who we can be alone. We celebrated uh, child dedication this morning, and, and I, I mentioned it. Like This is part of the fire, is that we have a family that loves their kids. You know what we say to that family? You bring them here, we're going to love your kids too. Right, we're going to be a little bit more of that fire. You want your kids to know Jesus? Guess what? You bring them here, we want them to know Jesus too. We're going to add a little bit more fuel to the fire. It, it, it's, it's in what we do together. It's in how we serve together. So we, 100 students a couple of weeks ago, 60, 70, 80 students every Wednesday night in here. And they see, hey, somebody who goes to my school is a follower of Jesus too. They meet some adults who love them and care for them and are concerned about their spiritual life and their spiritual growth, and it fuels that spark that the Holy Spirit has put inside of them. It's in the joining together that we burn hottest and brightest. Some of you didn't grow up in church. I totally get that. I'm so glad that you're here. Some of you got interested in faith later in life, and I'm so glad that you are here some of the rest of you, though, you grew up in church, uh, like from the time you were born, you were going to church, and you, and you went to a church, 
And if that's you, chances are you remember a Bible study teacher from when you were a kid. Uh, we called it a Sunday school teacher back then, right? You remember a Sunday school teacher from back then? You remember a children's worship leader from back then? You remember a student pastor? You remember a pastor who just spoke into your heart the things of God, a small group leader? You remember... You, you remember a worship pastor that like opened your heart to really worshiping after God? You remember those things. They were sparks. They were a part of God bringing people around you to help set ablaze what God was doing in your heart. That's who we are as the church. That's what we need to be reproducing without the flannel graph that some of us grew up with, right? Without that, but this, we're here for each other. We need each other. And when I begin to doubt, and we all will, and when I begin to question, I am determined I will not disassociate from this group that I need the most right then. It, isn't that the tragedy? Is that when people begin to question and doubt, so many people, instead of running deeper into the group that loves them and wants to encourage them, they run away from that group. You know, like wood pulled out of the fire and set aside. And their heart grows colder and colder and colder. Like I, we, we've been honest in this series that there are times that we question. There are times that we struggle. We've been honest about that. But, but I want to say to you, one of the things that will hold you in the right place is just being determined, I'm not going to try to do it by myself. I'm going to continue to come around the people who have been such a part of my life and my spiritual growth. I, I, I think of, of the things we do as a church. Right? I, I believe all of us can accomplish more for the kingdom than any one of us, just as another example of us coming together. I think of the things that we, I think of our children's ministry and our student ministry. I think of our volunteers. I think Ian mentioned it, we're, we're getting ready to pack another 200 food boxes. Right? None of us could do that by ourselves. None of us could do that by ourselves. We're getting ready to provide uh, uh, Christmas food for 200 people in our community who, who desperately need it this this is what happens when we bring our lives together and when somebody decides to become a foster family in our church they know they're doing that in the context of a church that burns with a desire to come around them and help them the the the, the needs we've met through care portal just just another example of how like when we are together we were walking, living together, we can accomplish so much more for the kingdom. Just, just a couple last things. Uh, when, when we read the description of the New Testament, here's what we find. We find the church is less like a building and more like a body. It's less like a building, more like a body. We have a building. We, we need a building, perhaps, in our context. There are things that this building allows us to do when it comes to ministry, but we aren't a building, we're a body, and everybody's a part. And to the degree that we are individually healthy and collectively healthy is the degree to which we're all connecting, we're all serving, 
We're all apart. We're all contributing. We're, we're looking out for one another. And then the church is less like a business and more like a family. Business aspects to any church. We have to pay our bills, right? We need insurance. We have to get permits. We have to do everything right by the state. Like it, there are business aspects to any church. That's just the way it is. But, but our churches, we're less a business. We're more a family. The more that we care for each other and when one of us is hurting all of us are hurting and when one of us is succeeding all of us are succeeding one of us is excited all of us are excited when one of us has a need all of us want to figure out how do we respond to that need because we're family and just like a family we may not agree on everything right? families don't have to agree on everything you're getting ready to see your families over the holidays Looking forward to that, aren't you? And you know, like there's, we've got to be careful what we bring up. We don't want to say this around them. We don't want to have that conversation. My family doesn't agree about everything, but they're family. And in any church, large, small, medium, doesn't matter the size. Any church, we don't see everything exactly the same way. We don't agree on everything, but we're family. We, we love one another. We are brothers and sisters. Is that we can have some differences? We can see some things differently? That doesn't change the fact that we're, we're family because look, when you're family, all you have to do is show up. All you have to do is show up. This, this holiday season, all you got to do is show up. You don't have to take a test when you get there. You don't have to go through an interview to find out if they're going to let you back in. When you're family, you just show up in your part. This is the way the, this is the, way the church is. We're family. All you got to do is show up. All you got to do is come home to a place where you are loved. You're known. You are encouraged. Where, where we want to see God do everything He wants to do in your life. We get lost along the way sometimes. We get confused, we question, we get disappointed. And that's why we need each other. That's why we need each other. Ever, ever been in a corn maze and gotten lost and somebody came back for you? That's what the church is. And when you're in that moment, we need to be the ones who come back and take you by the hand and say, Look, let's just keep walking there, we'll figure it out together. We'll get to the end together. We'll keep moving forward together. Our, our church is not perfect. I know you thought it was. Our church is not perfect. Now, we all have times, if you're here long enough, we all have times when we think, some of us say it, when we think, man, I wish we, did, I wish we had this. I wish we, I wish we didn't do that. I, wish we, I know, I'm the same way. I wish and, and don't wish about a lot of things for our church. I wish this was there. I wish that was there. But we're family. And I love our family. I, lo I love who God has made us. And all of our quirkiness at times. And, and all of our beauty at times. And all of the mistakes we'll make as we're trying to move forward. I love our family. I don't think God's done with our family a journey. 
I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what his plans are. I, I, just, I just know he has plans for us. And I know as we follow him together, we will discover what those plans are. We, we will see those plans. We will pursue that together because we're family. Let's pray. God, help us to be a family. Help us to burn bright, hot for the things of God. None of us can do that to our best ability alone. We just can't. Some of us are, are more mature or less mature. Or we've been a believer longer, or however we define those things. Yeah, we're all at different places, but we will never escape the reality that we need each other. We need a family. We need people to love and people to be loved by. We need people to encourage and people who will encourage us. Help us not to disassociate from the very place that can encourage us in the difficult days but to build relationships, to love well, to encourage well, to see you glorified in all of us, not just in each of us, in all of us together, that you would be glorified in this family. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.